0: rock podcast a southern storm a bold liberating rock shot through with blues soul and gospel and now your hosts for the show brian jones and jason johannes
1: welcome to another episode of the all things blues and southern rock podcast jason's here and what's going on man
0: hey it is good to be back and chatting um yeah, man. Uh, listen, uh, before we get into all the music stuff, we got to talk about important things. But sure. the Bengals won the first round
2: in yeah, the playoffs, so, yeah. and they're
0: on to face the Bills uh, this week. And so, fingers crossed, we get another good run from the Bengals, man.
1: Yeah, I uh, watched the Jags come back against uh, crazy the Chargers.
0: Yeah, that was, a yeah. Good game. that was a good game. Poor Chargers. They have yeah. so many historic playoff losses. <laughs> they're just cursed. I feel yeah. bad for them. So, we'll see what happens.
1: I'm hoping for anybody but Kansas City
0: any i uh, i yeah i yes I, I think my preference would be see the Bengals versus the 49ers and have the Bengals finally beat the 49ers that would be on their cool, third right? try yeah and that for their first cool. super bowl and to, re- to get revenge on those two super yeah. bowl losses they had in the 80s what's going
1: on with you Uh, not much uh uh started uh crunch fitness going uh, to try to get committed to uh Doing the workout thing, eating healthier, yeah.
0: and uh, I've done it so you know what helps, it again, Brian? So. It helps if you're doing like walking on a treadmill, bike, elliptical, listen to a podcast. Listen exactly. to music. I yeah, listen to I, podcasts when I'm doing that. I have so
1: many to listen to and so many records <laughs> stuff to listen to on <laughs> Spotify. So so that's
0: um, why I work out yeah. so I can get have time to listen to stuff or walk right, a dog. Exactly. That's that's why I do it. Exactly. <laughs> Who cares about my health? I just want time <laughs> to listen to music, a podcast right on
1: well let's get right into it uh why we're here of course uh guitar legend jeff beck passed away here uh, last week recently
0: last week very unexpectedly at the age of 78 right bacterial meningitis which yeah Um, scary stuff right if you don't get treatment early it's not good
1: yeah you know and i've always known about jeff beck and i've listened to a little bit here and there but i've never been like a, a card carrying fan of his but uh I'm like discovering; it's like a new discovery to me. Started yeah. listening to this uh, three CD Beckology that I've had probably for 25 years, and just held on to it and listened to a couple minutes here and there. But i had it's in the car now, so if something's in my car CD player, it's 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 in.
0: Yeah, and like I I as a guitar player, I always respected and like Beck, but kind of you know I was a, a page or clapped and more so if you go with the big three, only because. The stuff that Jeff Beck did on guitar, I know I could never play like him or do like him. Like, I'm never going to play like Page or Clapton, but the riffs and the styles are a little bit easier to cover versus the Beck stuff, which is just super complicated, particularly with the way he plays and how he plays with his fingers. So, you know, I just sort of, I'm like, I'm never going to play like this guy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and just the stuff that I've been listening to is just like... The sounds that he makes the tone that he gets is like so unique and so it's just otherworldly
0: and you'll hear in our conversation with our guest too is like some of the ways he sets up his guitar and, and uses the you know tremolo or the whammy bar to do crazy stuff to get it to sound mm-hmm. um the way it did and like two great guests that we have tonight you know or today on the podcast
1: yeah, so uh we were lucky to get you were lucky to get I should say really I mean he reached out to Chris Tap from the Cold Stairs and he uh he got us in touch with Mike Eldred who you will hear all about uh new Jeff personally uh worked at a lot of different guitar manufacturers worked on some of Jeff stuff and another uh another elder statesman in this whole music thing that we've have a whole brand new discovered respect for or wasn't aware of him before and mm-hmm. can't wait to have him on again and, it was, and Chris is always great to have on
0: yeah and home run for Chris saying first he thought when I was chatting with him he's like Mike Eldred and he was I don't he couldn't have picked a better dude because he had like you said he had a personal relationship with Jeff Beck and worked with Fender and worked with guitars and helped them Jeff get the guitars he wanted
1: yeah yeah for sure so uh, uh let's just get right into it you guys will uh enjoy this uh, conversation with With uh, Chris Tapp from the Cold Stairs, Mike Eldred from the Mike Eldred's Trio in our part one of our Jeff Beck tribute episodes. at uh, the guest segment of our first installment of this Jeff Beck Tribute. Jason's going to introduce our guests that uh, we told you are joining us.
0: Yeah, and very excited to have these guests on. One, we got a returning friend to the show, Mr. Chris Tatt from the Cold Stairs. How are you doing, Chris?
3: I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for getting on here. And Chris recommended his friend, which has, whom, which has, who has, a really interesting background and relationship with Jeff Beck that we cannot wait to get into. Uh, Mr. Mike Eldred, how are you doing, Mike?
4: Great, thanks for having me on here. Thank you. guys.
0: Uh, thanks for, for, for agreeing. On. Yep. So, Jeff Beck, what I, I think I want to start with, Brian, and I know you, you normally you kick off the things with how did you get to where you are in music, and we're just this is more of a tribute and less about the people. Yeah, so I'm here we know about Chris. <laughs> Chris we know you we know all about you so we're going to start with Mike a little bit so get get your drink ready so Mike can you give us just a little bit of background about yourself and then kind of how you got to know Jeff Beck and kind of your your experiences with him
4: well um, when I was I think 17 um, I, I used to go see um, Van Halen play at Gizzaris and all that stuff and then later on they played the Starwood and the whiskey and all that stuff but when they were playing Gizzaris it was four sets a night and then um, when they got to the whiskey you know they were really getting bigger and bigger and bigger but we would always go see him play my buddy had told me cuz you need to come see this guitar player play so anyways i went and saw him i would go see him all the time but i went and saw him one night at the whiskey and he he the, about a couple of weeks before that he had a just a black 64 strat that he was playing and before that, he was playing Les Paul and Explorer, but um, he showed, I showed up one night and he had this black and white striped guitar. And I said, where the heck did you get that? And he said, I got it from this place called Charvel's manufacturing up in San Dimas, California. And, um, and I said, well, give me the number. Cause I wanted to, I wanted to get a, a guitar, a custom guitar. And um, so he gave me the number and I called him up and I ordered a guitar And uh, I went, I went up, I drove up there and I sat down, Grover Jackson, I got there like nine o'clock at night, Grover Jackson was, was working there. And um, I talked to him for a while, ordered the guitar and I kept driving up there to make payments on the thing. And finally, you know, I said, you know, well, maybe I could just get a job there. And if I got a job there, then I can pay for the guitar cheaper. Right. So anyways, Grover hired me and I was Grover's first employee when he, when he got the business um going and all that stuff and um so I just started building guitars and I kept building guitars there and that's so that when was I, Charvel
0: Mike not Jackson was Charvel
4: yeah that was Charvel yeah. okay and then it became Jackson as we started making the the, yep. the neck through body stuff but anyways that was my first kind of uh run-in with Jeff and um we were making a guitar for him and um as a gift as a surprise he didn't ask for it or anything we were just going to make it for him and so we made this guitar for him and um it was the one that sometimes they call it the Eldred Flames with the Hot Rod Flames on it Charvel mm-hmm. that, that guitar the one that I used to play that guitar was, was built for Jeff Beck but in paint I walked by one day and, and there were you could see that there was a couple of cracks in the body small and I showed it to Grover and I said I go they have there's cracks in this you know and he goes well well, let's make another one and I said well what do you want to do with this one he goes just he goes you can have it if you want it and so I took it and I built that guitar out and that's the one that people say you know the Eldred Flames they call it whatever but anyways um, we ended up giving the guitar to Jeff and that was kind of it and then um and then later on, you know, I, I worked, I worked at Charvel and then I left there and I went, went to work for Yamaha, worked there for a while and ended up at Fender. And, um, you know, and all this time in between that, I'm playing music and all that stuff. But when I was at Fender, it really kind of, that's when I really kind of struck up a friendship with him and, and all that stuff.
0: So Charvel, did he actually ever play a Charvel guitar though on stage?
4: I never saw him play that flame guitar ever.
0: Yeah. But
4: when we did the Jackson stuff, it was um he had he he had a, a pink one. Yeah. And um he had, I think he had Tina Turner carve her name in it, or somebody carved her name in it. And um and he had that guitar and he actually played that guitar for a while. Yeah. You know, Jeff always bounced around and everything. And then I was working. Later on, I was working there and uh, at Charvel and now now this is like Charvel Jackson. And Grover had told me, you know, hey, you know, we're Jeff wants to get a, a strap made. And can you go up to the Sunset Marquee? And he has a, a guitar up there. He wants the neck shape done on. And that was a lot of what I did there for a while is neck shaping and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I went up to the Sunset Marquee by myself. I was probably 20. Something like that. I don't remember. But, anyways, I went up to the Sunset Marquee and Jeff was there and he handed me this yellow strat that he had and he goes, Yeah, play it and feel how that plays. And it's like, I don't want to play guitar in front of Jeff (laughs) Beck.
0: A little bit of pressure.
4: Yeah. But, anyways, I, I did it and we hung out for a while and we were watching MTV and he was all, he loved Prince. He was all into Prince. He was watching Prince. He loved that guy and, you know, that music and all that stuff. So, you know, and then, and then we just made guitars and every time I, I'd go up and talk to him, you know, it was, it was always really cool. We really hit it off because he was into hot rods and kind of, it's a lot of the stuff I was in too. And then, and then later on, when I worked at, um, when, when I worked at Fender, then it was really kind of, that's when there was a lot of more uh, interaction with him, you know?
0: Did you become his go-to like personal good guitar builder?
4: No, Todd Krause was that guy. Um, okay. I kind of facilitated stuff between him, Tex, and all that stuff. And then when the, when the wood got to be b- being cut, then that was always Todd Krause. Jay Black early on, but then you know it, it re- we really went to Todd. Todd built a lot of guitars for him.
0: Yeah. What was kind of what were some of his preferences? So when I was chatting with Chris getting him ready to do this. We were talking guitars and I thought he played primarily Telecaster. Chris, correct me. Thanks, Chris. That was a Strat. Like, what did he, you know, what did he prefer? Neck shape? Was it the traditional? Was it C-shaped neck with a, uh, you know, what's the fretboard? Like, what did he like?
4: Um, Well, there's a couple of things like on uh, Blow by Blow when he does uh, Because We Ended As Lovers. That's a Telecaster with the two humbuckings in it. Okay. on that guitar, on that song and then um, but anyways, on the Strats he, you know, it was pretty basic you know, it was a C, big, it was a not a real big, but a, a C-shaped neck yep. and um, bigger frets and um, he was using these SCN pickups for a while um, and then, you know, but he bounced around he used a lot of different stuff so he used the regular noiseless pickups um, he, you know he bounced around a lot i don't think that jeff was really particular about that kind of stuff you know Mm -hmm. um how he set the guitar up was one was was one way but like i on the Theron back tour i went out and saw him at the greek and he came out and he was playing like a 56 strat or 57 strat two-tone sunburst beautiful guitar and he was standing on it, he was holding, holding the neck and he had one foot on one horn and his other foot on the other horn, standing on it on its end, shaking it, getting feedback and everything. And I found out later that Steve Marriott had loaned him that guitar for the tour. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's, you know, that's how it was with him. It was always, it was always, you know, he would, you would see him show up and he, sometimes he played telecasters, but you know, Ninety-eight percent of the time, it was that strat. Right. And the weird—I'll tell you—the weirdest thing, not the weirdest thing, but the the most interesting thing—and I was going to do actually do a video uh, about this. Um. If you if you he had that two fulcrum the two post fulcrum tremolo on his guitar, it's basically like American standard. Um. I think that's what it's called now. I don't even know anymore, but um, it's a two point fulcrum bridge not the six screws and so he had that and then what he would do is we would go in the back and we'd route the cavity the trem the back of the tremolo cavity a little bit and and Jeff would set that that tremolo up sticking up in the back like that so that he could on the high E now on the high E you hit the high E and you pull the bar back and it goes up a whole step wow yeah so That's on the high E, so on the low E, you're going up two and a half steps, something like that. And so that's how he was using that tremolo to get a lot of the slide sounding stuff. And then to watch him use the slide and the tremolo bar together, it was insane. Mm -hmm. It was insane, it was crazy. And um, I remember being at one rehearsal and watching him do, he was doing the rehearsal and stuff. And uh, I went up to Ralph Baker, his um, manager at the time, and I said, How the f- heck does he keep that thing in
0: tune? You can cuss on here. Trust me, we're not going <laughs> to lose the sponsor, right?
4: Anyway, I said, How the fuck do you keep that thing in tune? And Ralph looked at me and laughed and walked over and handed me the guitar. He goes, Play the guitar. He goes, It's not in tune. And I played it and it wasn't. Oof. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's I knew I know it was in because I know his texts were really great, but I know it was in tune when they handed it to him. But he he's he's Jeff Beck was a different animal, man.
1: Well, that I was going to ask that same question that Jason did. I'll go in a different direction. Did Jeff ever like when you guys were working on a guitar, did he come back into the shop and do any hands on stuff or did he change stuff on the fly at all or any of that no. kind of
4: stuff? no he wasn't that kind of guy he would you know he would just to him this is the best analogy i can give anybody about jeff to him the guitar was a hammer just like a carpenter would use it he didn't give a shit about that guitar (laughs) honestly he and you can see it you can see the way he handles them you can see the way he deals with them and stuff it just it's not it was it was merely a, a vehicle to hit the nail that's all it was. And it was never really intense, all this and that, and you know, never really, you know, like some guys, you know, the neck shape has to be exactly this or something like that. We had a standard neck shape for him and all that stuff. Yeah, but
0: See, he wasn't not- asking for anything custom. Hey, it's whatever this version of the Strat is. I'm cool with it, man.
4: Yeah. And then he would, we would send him a guitar with SCN pickups in it. He would love them. He would do the whole tour with that. And then the next guitars, they would order him with Noiseless. And then the next guitar would be something else, you know, Mm -hmm. but it was, he was like that a lot with his amps too. You know, the amp thing was all over the place. You know, you would, you would think that it's just going to be, you know, Marshalls and stuff like that. A lot of times he had Marshalls on the stage, but I was when, you know, after he died, I was going through a lot of pictures and stuff. And I have pictures of him at the Crossroads festival. He has two 412 cabinets a um, hundred watt, hundred watt Marshall head, and two pro juniors uh, on the other cabinet. So a head on one cabinet, and then two pro juniors on the other cabinet. And if you look at the pictures of the video, there's a mic on one of the pro juniors. And I was, I had seen it before at at Madison Square Garden, but I went up and I made, I took pictures of it. The Marshall wasn't plugged in. There's no, there's no power cord going to it. There's no speaker cords coming out. I took pictures from the back and the front and there's a mic in front of the pro junior. He's playing through the pro junior at crossroads. That guitar sound. When now you go back and listen to that, that guitar sounds a pro junior. I saw him do Madison square garden with Eric Clapton. And that's what he was playing through. And I asked Jennifer Batten about it. I go, man, I go, that's, that's shocking to me. Because I had gone to sh- shows and I had seen him play through two by 12s and then two Tone Master heads, which were 100 watts a piece. So that's
0: a lot of power, yeah, right there. A lot man. of power.
4: But I talked I talk to Jennifer about it. I mentioned it to Jennifer Batten about it. I go, you know, I, I go, just a pro junior? And she goes, Mike, she goes, it's louder than fuck in the monitors. It's so loud. <laughs> she goes, it's insane. She goes, I can't. She goes, I can't even be around the monitor. love it yeah so chris go Go ahead listen to that stuff it's a pro junior
3: yeah i I was i was thinking the other day i I re-watched ronnie scott's the concert uh, he did ronnie scott's and he's got a similar kind of setup he's got i think he's got a 412 or maybe a couple but he's got a series of small fender amps sitting on top of a, uh, a cabinet or two and I thought, well, he's just going to use those for the, you know, the rockabilly stuff. But I actually think he was using that through through most of the stuff. And I think Jeff is like, I mean, obviously he's like this, that, you know, no matter what he played through, no matter what guitar he played, it always sounded like Jeff Beck. It there's probably no better example of it being in the hands. He didn't, I don't think he used a pick past 1969. I forget what they were saying. He didn't use a pick anymore and. You know, like as, as Mike alluded to, the, the way he was handling the bar uh, and then left hand would have a slide or let, you know, just playing with his left hand normally. It was very, you know, and I, and I also was thinking about how eloquent he was with the with the whammy bar on the strap. But then I went back and watched some, um, you know, Bogart Beck, uh, Apathy, a piece, whatever it is from the, I think, 72, 73, that, that era. Yeah. He's playing a Les Paul for a lot of that shit, and it fucking sounds the same. It's like the – I'm like, there's no whammy bar there, but he's still – his mind, I think, was coming through the guitar, and that's what his mind – his fingers just naturally did what his mind heard.
0: Yeah. He did a lot – did he do a lot of, like, picking, like, bass notes with his thumb, too, and then – was that one of, like, to tell, to tell me about his style. I guess one of you guys, what, what is his style? Because Chris is right, like, he didn't do the pick thing. So, like, really, what is his guitar style, his picking style?
3: Uh, I don't know.
4: I, I, I would watch him play, and, you know, I, when I was at his house, I was playing guitar at one point. Yeah. And he, and he looked at me, and he goes, he goes, he goes, you, you play with your fingers? <laughs> and I looked at him, and I go, yeah. And he goes, good. You know, but I don't play with my fingers, but I'm not gonna, <laughs> I wasn't going to tell him, oh, no, I use a pick, you know, but I do. Shame. I, and, and and I use I use a pick and, and my fingers together. Yeah. But I would watch yeah. him play. I would watch him play like scatterbrain. You know, with no pick. And I mean, that's 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 a song that you know, it's so fast. And I don't know what he was. I don't know if he was picking with his index finger or
0: something or, or
4: he didn't really have fingernails like that.
0: It's hard to get that attack though. Like with your fingertips. Yeah. Right.
4: That's what I don't get, you know? Yeah. Like Jared, what's his name? Jared James. James
0: Nichols. Yeah. He plays
4: like that. He plays like that. I mean, I think it's, I think it's really cool but it scares the shit out of me. I mean, I, I, I always feel like my finger, my index fingernail gets worn out anyway.
0: Right.
4: I just, I get paranoid that I'm going to rip the fingernail off.
3: (laughs) You know. I'm the same. I I think it annoys me. I I watch people do that. And I'm, I'm just waiting for either a fingernail to get caught or I I'm so annoyed (laughs) that, that I don't do it that way or do it that eloquently anyway. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not for sure. I wonder, I would love to hear uh, somebody speak to why Jeff stopped using the pick or maybe, you know, I know Buddy Guy, some of those guys that he looked up to don't use a pick either. So I'm wondering, you know, you, Mike can speak to that. You can you get a lot more attack without a pick if you're, you know, if you're pulling the string with your finger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and I know he loved Cliff Gallup and uh, a lot of the rockabilly stuff. But I can't imagine trying to play that shit without a pick, so um I don't know he he just i mean, and that's that's why we're having this discussion. He was different than everybody else. he was better than everybody else in certain aspect of i don't I can't think of somebody else other than Eddie that is more recognizable you know immediately i I remember hearing that um God, what's that freaking? it's a horrible song with a great solo at uh John the John Bon Jovi thing from
0: Oh Blaze Glory.
3: Blaze Glory. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember hearing that solo and I was like, "Oh, that's Jeff Beck."
4: How did he get Jeff <laughs> right Beck- away. How did
3: he get Jeff Beck on that song, you know? Cuz I knew uh, immediately. You can just tell that it was and That's hard, man. That's really difficult to to be able to play three or four notes and somebody know who you are.
0: Yeah. yeah. So Chris, we got we need to back up for a second because I know you're an avid Western movie fan. You're telling me no Young Guns, no Blaze of Glory. That's not in your wheelhouse.
3: I watched it. I mean, I probably went to some freaking movies and watched it. And it's it, I'm ruining my career as we speak. But, yeah. <laughs> Man, it's kind of like a fat kid with ice cream. It's not like they, they differentiate between good and bad. They just want all they can get. I, and old movies and
0: Westerns, I'll, I'll,
3: watch, I'll watch just about any of them.
0: Yeah, well I, I go to I do go to Chris for advice every once in a while and stuff. But you're right on the so I was going through, we're doing a little research on Jeff Beck, and it said, Yeah, John Bon Jovi got him for a solo album for that Blaze of Glory album, the Young Guns Two soundtrack. I was like, I thought the same thing you did. I was like, How did how did John Bon Jovi get back to play on him? Of course, John Bon Jovi also in nineteen eighty whatever that was was hot as shit. You know, he was a big deal. So uh, Chris, going to you, when when did you first become aware of Jeff Beck? I mean, you, you know, you've had this long musical career. You're a music fan. You're a great guitar player. Like, when did you become aware of Jeff?
3: Um, man, it, it's one of the early early memories I have of just watching MTV whenever I was a kid. Like, we had a cable box on top of the television. I, and, you know, MTV was Channel 16. And if, if my parents went home, that's what it was on. But, I mean, that was – at that house, I was in probably third or fourth grade, and I was watching MTV all the time. But um, I was I was thinking earlier today, I think Jeff Beck is kind of like uh, a guy that lives next door or somebody in the neighborhood that, like, you find something cool out about him, and then a couple weeks later or a year later, you find something else. It's like they never stop being cool, and before you – you know, you're just like, well, that's the coolest dude in my town. You know, he's done all this stuff. My my first time that I saw him was that Rod Stewart video with um, People Get Ready. Mm-hmm. And, and I was so little then. I was just like, oh, man, that's his best friend. He's writing him a letter. You know, he, <laughs> he wants him to play on the song. And I remember thinking uh, they were both smiling a lot in the video and kind of hanging yeah. out. And I remember that my, uh, my dad's ex-wife at the time, she had a couple Rod Stewart records. And so... I was looking for him, you know, looking for his picture on there and remember hearing hearing that, and then, um, you know, it's just later on down the road hearing uh, other people reference back and then listening to it, and then you know, just kind of, it's like, like I said, the further that you that you get into the career and see the things um, that they accomplish, the the more you realize it, you know, just how cool they are. I mean, some some a lot of people have like one cool thing that they. They've done, or or maybe two cool things, or they've been associated with one or two cool artists. I mean, that's a that's a that's a big deal as it is. But for him to do kind of what he did, I remember, um, the Crazy Legs record. Like I was in, I don't know how close that was to the Streets of Fire movie, but for whatever mm-hmm. reason, I remember seeing that Streets of Fire movie when I was a kid, and
0: that really crazy s- movie.
3: Yeah, it, it it really sparked this uh, rockabilly old car yeah. type thing with me, and then I heard that Crazy Blakes record, and um, I I may have saw Streets of Fire later on, but whatever, I saw him around those two things around the same time, and I just couldn't believe that Jeff Beck could play that. I was like, you know, how could he do all the things that he did in like the progressive uh stuff in the 70s and be that fusion guy and then be rod stewart kind of melodic solo guy and then shit play that cliff Gallup stuff because man that is no joke mike plays some rockabilly i'm a total hack at that stuff i love it but it's like he was just he could just do so many things and all the guys that that i love um clapton and and you know jimmy page and some of those other guys uh they did a lot of different things, but I don't know that they did, they could cover the ground that, that Jeff Beck did, you know? So it's pretty mind blowing. Um, I've never not liked, I never not have not been into Jeff Beck ever since I was. So I probably rediscovered and started really listening whenever I was about 15 or 16, because our drummer at the time uh, was older than us, and man. He knew those old records and um, he was into Frank Zappa and he loved the Jeff Beck group and, he had those records, and, you know, I would say ever since then, I probably haven't gone three months without listening to a Jeff Beck record, you know, something that Jeff, Jeff was on. The Crossroads things were were huge for me, too, because that's the time, about the time we we really started getting going as a band and started getting really serious and, you know, uh, watching those and him being on there and his sets on there was just like, so this guy's not like anybody else that's on here. They had great players on that, but um, it's just like he he just stood out. You know?
0: So I have two things. I have one a comment and then a question for you guys. One comment. Chris, that is not the first time the movie Streets of Fire has appeared on this podcast. Brian, if you remember, the first time we had Daisy dead from the Dead Dead Dawn, we bonded over Streets of Fire. So, yep. Chris, yep. well done bringing it back around. That's an insane movie. Mike, have you ever seen Streets of Fire?
4: Yeah, um, the the bass player in my band, John Baz, he's, he's the bass player in the Blasters, so...
2: What?
3: Yeah,
4: yeah. Yeah. I
3: was gonna say, ask Mike a question. He probably played. He probably was in the movie. (laughs) That guy's done everything. Cool, man. He's. Chris, we're gonna have
0: to ask you to sign off on this interview because (laughs) you're you're, you're no longer interesting.
3: (laughs) See that? That's why I said bring Mike on. I knew that.
0: (laughs) You made a great call.
4: But But, see, for me, it was like that was the first time I got to see Diane Lane, so that was okay.
0: Yeah. Oh Oh, man. Oh
4: anyway let's talk about something
0: (laughs) (laughs) I cannot I just I'm just blown away that the streets of fire keeps recurring on this blues and southern rock podcast it's amazing it's amazing um (laughs) William DeFoe in that movie
4: William DeFoe in that movie was scary
0: he was so
3: cool so cool
0: the rockabilly gang leader that's kind of what he was right he took Diane Lane and all yeah oh my god that was uh that was And they fought with sledgehammers at the very end of the movie, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <So cool. laughs> oh, my God. All right. We're going to start Brian's side project, The Streets of Fire pod. There you go. And our first two guests are going to be Mike and Chris. We're just I to have to see
1: on. the movie right. first. I uh, hate to admit that It was on
0: Netflix that. for a long time. I don't know if it's still on. All right. My question. So the Rockabilly stuff is really interesting to me and Jeff Beck. And it really seemed like a, that, you know, the big guns – of British blues guitar players, uh, the Becks, the Claptons, the Pages and things, really had not just a tie to blues music, but to rockabilly, skiffle and all that. Why do you, do you know why, or can you like pontificate on why those guys were so into that style of music too, not just the American blues?
3: Have well, at it, Mike.
0: I, I, for me, I, I
4: would just assume that it was what was coming across the radio, you know, and it was, you know, that was the kind of stuff that was really kind of, I think, just um, impressing those guys a lot, you know, and that's the kind of mm-hmm. stuff that was coming across the radio because it's such a, it's such a cross pollination of country and rock and roll, mm-hmm. you know, and um, the guitar playing, you know, and I think that Hank Marvin would, kind of touch on some of that stuff, you know, but, um, I think that Gene Vincent, when Gene Vincent went over there, um, that was a thing. And there wasn't a lot of guys like Elvis never went to Europe. He never did that. Right.
0: Yeah. They never let him go over Colonel Tom Parker, right. Never let him go. Yeah.
4: Yep. And, and, but I think when Gene went over there, it was a thing, you know, and I think that, I think that that really kind of exploded a lot of stuff. That's what it seems like to me. Cause when you look at cliff richard and you look at um guy. who's the other guy he dressed he dre- he dressed Um, uh, uh, vince taylor you guys hip to him no huh. vince, vince taylor um you know look look him up and and that guy he stole the whole gene vincent thing but he was a british guy and his whole oh. thing he copped the whole thing and even today people talk about vince taylor vince taylor is just like it's basically a a UK version of Gene Benson. <laughs> you know? But the thing uh, one a, a real interesting fact on as far as uh talking about Cliff Gallup. Um, I don't know if you guys know that that guy the first record I did with um Lee Rocker um and so, Big Blue, uh,
0: Lee Lee Rocker, of course. All right. Yeah, Mike no, did, Mike does know everybody.
4: Yeah, when I did a I did three records with three or four records with Lee. And um, the first record we did, we had this girl named Sue, Sue Smallwood write the liner notes. But Sue Smallwood lived in Virginia, and Cliff Gallup and Jean Vincent were all from there. And so she knew she knew Cliff before he died. And she gave me a, a cassette of his like solo stuff. What happened with, with Cliff is that he went in with Gene and they did that record. And then um, and, he, and, and Cliff was a plumber. And so then Cliff quit his plumbing job and he went on the road and you know they went out, they made the record, you know and all this stuff. And um, then they, they went out on the road and I think they did one tour. Cliff came home and he said, fuck that shit, I'm gonna be a plumber. <laughs> and he just kind of stopped yeah. and went back to work. Yeah. And he just didn't want to, but man, when you listen to that guitar playing, and the thing that clip that the thing that, and Chris will get this the thing on that, that record, when all you, whenever you hear Cliff Gallup, he's playing a duo jet with a fixed Bigsby. The, that arm doesn't swan, swing out of the way. It's always in, there. Yeah. It's it, it's no, there's no um uh screw on it. Yeah, it's it's in one spot the whole time. So you huh. so you have to incorporate that in your playing, which is Jeff Beck. And I think that that's where he got a lot of that stuff. And when he did the, the uh, Crazy Legs record, he used the DuoJet original one with a fixed arm, just like Cliff's. He wanted it to be exact, you know? And then um, we did a Cliff Gallup tribute uh, at one point with Gretch at, when I was at the custom shop and I sent Jeff one of them. So I knew he, has, he had one of those,
3: so weird. Those guitars Crazy. are hard to play.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
3: had a, uh, I had one of the Cliff Gallup models for a minute, um, yeah. buying and trading, and it was, it was a sob to play. It, it had, about- you know, yeah, tiny frets on it, and then, like Mike said, that bar just it sits there like a refrigerator door handle. It doesn't get out <laughs> of the way, and it, it, uh, so it, 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 I told
4: somebody. I said it's kind of like having a conversation and some dude standing right in front of you. Yeah. It's it just, it, you can't get him out of the way, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I agree with Mike. I'm, I would have a, I would have a strong inclination that that's where Jeff, you know, got the idea for riding that bar. Maybe it, um, because of his fascination with that cliff, there's, there's not, there's one or two photos of him playing with Gene. There's not like whenever I really went down that rabbit hole, He's he's similar to Robert Johnson and there's a couple pictures and there's a lot of folklore and there's a lot of admiration because he did yeah um, you know I've read uh, I know it in Clapton's book too that a lot of those guys it's not like there was a lot of cool stuff going on in England at, right. at their time when they were where they were there at that impressionable age and you have this stuff coming over and we take it for granted now because we hear we've heard all this stuff you know but for them, to go from hearing Pat Boone or whatever, you know, else had come over prior to that to hearing, you know, some cool stuff like that. Um, it blew their mind and, and just I think it's a I I I hope that my generation of musicians and I, and I hope that younger generations, although I may be wishing for the stars, but I, I hope that we continue in admiration for those people that came before us the way that Jeff and Jimmy Page and, and Clapton, you know, I really admire those guys, not only as musicians, but as people who have a reverence for that. Because, man, I, I can't imagine Jeff Beck hitting you in the head with a freaking, you know, uh, a hammer for talking shit about Cliff because he, I mean, he idolized the guy uh, the way that Clapton idolized, you know, um, Elmore James and those guys and Jimmy Page idolized, uh, you know, Big Wheel Brunzi, and I, it, they just have – they had a lot of admiration for those people, uh, and Jeff went to the lengths of, you know, really searching that out and searching the guy out and studying the history of it. But, you know, it's it doesn't surprise me that that was that big of an influence on those guys uh, because they just hadn't heard anything cool. It'd be like us the first time that we heard. There's never been a time in my life that I haven't heard rock and roll. I can't imagine yeah. – you know, growing up in the eastern Kentucky mountains maybe and listening to Bluegrass your whole life, and then all of a sudden you hear Inner Sandman or, I don't know, <laughs> some, some kind of modern stuff, you know. I'm, I'm sure it rang their bell like that. But thank God it did, you know, because if not, those guys wouldn't have had careers that inspired everybody else to be playing ever since. Yeah.
1: So do either of you guys have any specific preference to any – Era in his playing, whether it be the Yardbirds, Jeff Beck Group, or Beck Bogart and a piece, uh, do you dig it all? Do you can you speak on how the evolution of that, or how it sounds any different from uh, the uh, through all of his stuff?
4: I the first time I saw him play was uh, with Jan Hammer, and it was I don't know what record that was. But it was a live record they did, and it was that tour. and it was and that was the first time I saw him play, but I had heard him before that. But man, you know, I was driving to California when I when a friend of mine texted me and told me that he had passed and and I just immediately just started playing a bunch of stuff. But there's man, like Darren back's a great record. a lot of all the early stuff's great, too, but I think he really started hitting his stride when he did there and back. And then after that, you know, um, I, what's, the, what's the other one? Um, God, I don't remember. Um, uh, I, I think I posted a couple of this, the record that he did or the tour that he did with Jennifer Batten was um, uh, where he sit. it's a picture of him sitting backstage That record is really great. And then Jeff, the one that just has a little arrow thing on it says, Jeff, that's a great record. I mean, there's so many good ones. I mean, I don't know, Chris, what do you think?
3: I like them all, man. Uh, You know, it's funny. I don't know who else you you could do this with other than maybe somebody like Stevie Wonder, but I mean, the guy or the Stones, you know, there's a few bands, but it's like he, it's not like he stayed super cool and played that, you know, that telly that Gibson style telly the two humbucker telly or that 54, yeah, I think 53 or 54 Les he played early on. Those are like really cool guitars. When it came to eighties, he like Mike said, he played a Jackson, you know, he mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. when you hear him in the eighties, he sounds like Jeff Beck playing in the eighties. When you hear him in the seventies, he sounds like Jeff Beck playing the seventies. It's he changed the carpets in the house to match the decade. And so when you listen back now, um, it's, it's it sounds like that. So that stuff from the '80s is like super progressive and um, and different. I I like it all. Uh, I love the, the Yardbird stuff. I love that. Yeah. I, I can't. What what's the movie Mike where he's on stage and he gets mad and he's slamming his guitar and they have and shit. Blow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So you know he's so he's so cool in that. The Yardbirds period uh, is huge for me. And then the first uh, couple solo records um, just just do it for me it, when we're on the road you know we've we've exhausted kind of everything else that's one of those those records are easy to listen to for all three of us because Brian loves the drum and I love the guitar playing and you know everybody on those records are is fabulous but I like it all i can i can I don't know that i uh, if I had to pick one era that I thought that I could only listen to that era for a minute it would probably be the 70s, early 70s stuff. The version, the version of him doing going down with the Jeff Beck group, I think. Yeah. That mm-hmm. video is like you just look at that and you're like, I'll never be as cool as that. There's no there's no way. Those yeah. dudes were just, you know, just so cool then. And um I don't know. I love those fuzzier tones that he was getting back then. And then, you know, he's a little bit more subdued. He was playing, he was playing a Strat then, but it's a little less, he was a little less eloquent than he became, I think later on in the eighties and nineties when he's playing in bands uh, with vocalists, I tend to like him. Uh, I tend to prefer that a little bit more probably Mm -hmm. than his, I love the instrumental stuff too. So it's hard, it's hard to say that, but, I love to hear him with the vocalist. There's a there's a couple videos of him doing um, Moon River with Eric Clapton, which oh, is wow. just it's just such a beautiful song. Clapton sings it great, and and listening to Beck play the the melody, it sounds like a symphony, man. It sounds like you know a, a classical violinist playing this beautiful melody, and he's he's playing it. So it's just so many different aspects.
4: The, the records I was thinking about was um, uh, You Had It Coming. You ever heard that record? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a great record. And then the other one was Who Else. Yeah. Who Else. That was, that's a great one. I mean, Wired's great. Blow by Blow. Obviously, I mean, all of it's good. Like Chris said, it's all good. You can't, that, you know, Flash was one I didn't really understand too much. But, I mean, it's still great, you know.
0: Oh. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's a trip. <laughs> what is the most surprising thing that he did in his career?
3: I don't know. From my standpoint, probably. I mean, he's playing with Rod Stewart. You know, they they. I think abandoning being in a band, as far as with vocalists and stuff, and just striking out and going, I'm just going to make instrumental records. I mean, I think he could have been. I don't know how wealthy he was or, you know, or he certainly couldn't have been a lot more successful than he was. Cause he's a, amazingly successful, but he was a guitarist, guitarist yeah. where I think he could have stayed in a band with the vocalist and probably been, I mean, he probably could have joined uh, joined the stones or joined almost any band he wanted to. And he kind of stayed and did his own instrumental thing. Uh, to me that, you know, that's, that's kind of interesting versus maybe what someone else would do.
0: maybe Mike, before you answer that question, may, maybe you can tell me if this is true or not. I read it on the internet, so take it with a grain of salt. But Pink Floyd wanted Jeff Beck to play, and Pink Floydman said Barrett left.
4: I, I've never heard that. Okay, internet strikes again. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, who knows? I mean, I don't know yeah. everything about Jeff Beck, you know, but yeah. um. I, I do know this. I knew that you know uh, when I went to his house um him and his wife Sandra they were they were talking about doing a tour I think it was a tour or something they were talking about doing something to help pay for a new furnace. And at one point you know I did this interview it was just me and Jeff and I have it on video I got to dig it out and um he, had said, he was talking about Clapton, and he said, he go, and he said Eric can take a shit and, and be successful with it. And it wasn't derogatory, but I think what he would, and I know what he was saying. He was saying, he, you could see that he was frustrated. He was frustrated because, um, yeah, he was Jeff Beck and everything, but he had to do a tour to pay for this furnace. And I'm sure that he had, you know, he didn't have the success that Eric had. And I think that that's what he was alluding to, Mm -hmm. you know, Eric was hugely successful, but also Eric was hugely commercial, you know, more commercial than than Jeff was. And so there was, there's that kind of aspect to it, you know? Um, I think that Jeff did what he wanted to do, you know, when he played and stuff like that. But as far as anything that was really kind of surprising, I don't, I don't really know. Um, the only th- the only thing that I thought was even remotely strange is him doing um, that flash record. That flash record was weird to me. It didn't seem to fit in. I think it was like some somebody's attempt to commercialize him or get him into that pop scene. You know, but I don't know.
1: So I don't know. Like he, Jason was joking. The internet, but in the Wikipedia it says in his auto in his autobiography, Nick Mason recalls that during 1967, Pink Floyd had wanted to recruit Beck to be its guitarist after the departure of sid Barrett, but none of us had the nerve to ask him. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's, That's great. Yeah, that sounds that sounds more accurate. Yeah, I could see that. And who would want
0: contacts? Yeah. yeah, who wouldn't want them That would be yeah. well. How would what would Pink Floyd have been? Would it have been the same? Would it change with Jeff Beck playing guitar with him?
3: It might not have changed Jeff Beck. It probably would have changed Roger Waters. He probably would have thrown him off the stage after a few shows.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it says uh, in 1969, following the death of Brian Jones, Beck was approached about
0: joining the Stones.
3: I did hear that before.
0: That would make a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. again, is that style of music would be more in his probably wheelhouse. Although, as you guys said, he could play anything. Than a Pink Floyd style kind of psychedelic rock. Was Jeff was Jeff the elder statesman of those kind of the three blues guitarists, rock guitarists, the Pages, the Claptons. Was Beck was Beck the first guy? Because he was the first guy in the Yardbirds, correct? Before Clapton came in, and then Page and all that.
3: No. <laughs> No, no. no? Cla- Clapton was before Beck in the Yardbirds, I believe. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mike can speak to this. I, They they were all around that same uh, same time period, but I don't know if he was the elder statesman. But I think if you asked, if you asked Clapton, and I, I've seen an interview where he said it. If you ask Clapton who's the best, and he said Beck. If you ask Jimmy Page who's the best. He said back, you know, they yep. Yep. I think they all felt like that he was the elder statement, whether he was the oldest or whether he was the first on the scene. You know, Jimmy was doing studio work and Eric was just kind of bopping around and getting into things. Uh, then I don't I haven't heard too much about Jeff doing studio work back then, but I know. I think. Man, I, hopefully, I've got my timeline right, but I may be wrong. I know Jimmy Page joined. Uh, they asked, no, they asked Jimmy Page to join the Yardbirds, and Jimmy wouldn't do it at the time. And he was happy in the studio, and he said, "You should check out Jeff Beck." And so Jeff joined. And then when Jeff left, then Jimmy Jimmy Page came back and played bass for a minute in the Yardbirds, right. and then played guitar. Right. Yeah, yep. Yep. so Jimmy Page made the uh, made the the contact for, for them to get back in in the yard birds
0: there you go
4: I'd... jeff told me a story about the yard birds that was really interesting so the um the guitar and and this is what i'm understanding but jeff told me that uh the telly jeff was playing a telly in the yard birds. that was keith keith Ralph's, that was the singer's telly oh and huh. he, he, he would loan that to Jeff to play in the band. And then when Jeff left the band, <laughs> Jimmy Page started playing the tel- that telly and then and Jimmy, and then Jimmy Page ended up with that telly. And from what I understand, that's what the, the, the dragon telly dragon.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That's like, that's, fa- that's the famous guitar, that dragon painted telly.
4: And then, yeah. and then, and then Jimmy, uh, I think painted it red and made a B-bender out of it.
3: That's what I had heard.
0: Is, is that yeah, the I, one he recorded that first Zeppelin album on, Chris? Do you know?
3: Yeah, I think so. Those early concerts that you see where he's playing the telly, that's the telly. I think my understanding of it, I mean, we, think, we all think that Dragon's cool now, but if I remember right, I think he left it with the friend and came back and the guy had painted that shit on there. and <laughs> He didn't necessarily <laughs> love it at the time, I think.
0: I'm a huge Page fan, but he went from having a, a dragon telecaster to wearing like wizard cl- clothing yeah. on the stage in the <laughs> latter part of Led Zeppelin.
3: Yeah, um, I'm a huge Jimmy Page fan too. That's he he can wear a wizard outfit or Santa Claus outfit. He's still and he
0: was even wearing good. business casual at the end of Led Zeppelin. He was wearing like a blue button up shirt and khaki pants, like he just came from the office. And I loved the shit out of that too. I yeah. love that. Just cracked me up. Yeah, I'm with you um okay, Chris, for you as a as a guitar player, well both of you guys, but Mike, you've known him a lot longer, but for you Chris, like what was his specific inf- did he have an influence on you and your style playing or, or not or if, if he did, what is it?
3: uh yeah, twofold um, be cool you, you know he was always cool. I think the thing that really gets me about Beck, uh, is just phrasing, you know, uh, he was amazing with the phrasing and then putting holes, you know, when he would stop, when he wouldn't stop and allowing, allowing it to breathe. When you have somebody that, uh, is that great with a specific thing like Eddie with the tapping or Mm -hmm. Jeff with the bar, like the first thing that I, as somebody that really admires him, the first thing I don't want to do is touch the bar. You know, it's like, Going over to your friend's house that makes a great lasagna and asking if you can cook lasagna—it's <laughs> like, well, you know, if you admire what they're doing, uh, I take the work and the hustle behind that, and maybe the melodic structure of the phrasing, not copy. Uh, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a whammy bar guy. I love to hear yeah. him do it, but yeah, uh, the just it's. I mean, it's just like I said earlier. It's, it's two or three notes, and you can tell it's Jeff. So. That's probably more than anything trying to create your own thing. And you think about Jeff, Jimmy, and Eric, and even Hendrix, all those guys kind of had the same influences. All those guys from that era, you know, even everybody up, up to Kossoff and, and all the guys that we love from the 60s, 70s, they all had a lot of the same influences. But the ones that became really successful all really sound like themselves. Yeah. So I think that's, that's a super important thing to learn. Um, when you watch Instagram now, you hear a lot of people that sound very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think well, There's been a lot of
0: replicating like, hey, this is what Slash and this is Jimmy. You know, and I think what you're saying, if I hear it correctly, is come up with your own sound. You know, he did the things like good at phrasing, but come up with your own sound and kind of be mindful of the things that he, he brought to the table.
3: Yeah, yeah, without a doubt.
0: Mike and for you the same thing you know you're you've got the Mike Eldridge trio you're a musician you've been a guitar work guy you had a personal relationship with Beck like how has he influenced you as a musician
4: um you know I it was funny I, I, in one of the conversations that I had with Jeff we were talking about Hendrix and Hendrix was a huge influence on him and um you know he he to me, the use of feedback and stuff like that—I I like using feedback a lot, not just for noise, but to use it in, in a nuanced type of a thing. There's a um, there's a song on one of the, the Lee Rocker's records called um, uh, "Big Blue Train," and if you listen to that song and you listen to the solo, you can hear what I'm talking about because there's at one point in the in the in the song where I purposely let the guitar go into that a, a, a squelchy, negative feedback type of a thing, you know, and, but it, it fits. When you listen to the solo, it fits in and stuff. And, and, um, I'm, so I'm conscious of using feedback in that way. And even today, like I play a hollow body for a lot of the stuff I'm doing right now, but, um, but I, I, part of the reason why I use that hollow body is because I can get feedback really easy on it. And um,
0: what, what hollow body are you using?
4: I'm using an Espanada, a Harmony Espanada. Okay. And um, it's a very dark. It doesn't sound. have
0: that block down the middle then, like you do on no. a 335, everything? Okay, no, okay, yeah. It's
4: a big hollow body guitar, but it has a plywood top. So it's very stiff. Um, but the guitar is really, uh, the pickups that they use on those guitars, it's a very dark sounding guitar. And that really helps with the trio and all that stuff. So anyways, I use that, but that guitar will take off really easily. And like with gain and stuff that I use, yeah. um, uh, I can kind of control the feedback. Anyways, the thing with Jeff is that I would watch him use some of that stuff and, and how he res- respected feedback, you know, and um, you, how he could incorporate it. And, I, and in talking to him, he got a lot of that stuff from Hendrix. That's one of the things that he really enjoyed doing. He told me he had a an echo, some echo box that he had, and and he would play a note or something, and he would put it put the echo box on and let it repeat over and feed back on itself. And he liked using that type of a thing. But he also, I mean, the, I guess in in that same vein. Um, you would hear jeff every once in a while and chris will understand this you hear jeff every once in a while use a ring modulator and but he'll turn it on and off he doesn't use it for the whole song he'll use it like in a solo he'll kick it on and it'll and just to kind of i, I don't know the the best analogy i can come up with is like a, a kid banging two trash can lids together that's really what it is it's 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 kind of like a it's just it's, you're using that guitar as kind of a noisemaker, but in a positive way,
3: in a musical way. So, yeah. yeah, I I could be wrong, but I think that Jeff is noted as the first guy using feedback on a record. Oh wow! I, and I always thought of I, I always thought of it as Hendrix, and I'm not for sure of yeah. the song, but if you if you just type in or if you just Google who and who invented mm. feedback or who was the first guy using it for record. I think Jeff, Jeff was known for that. So
0: maybe it was more Hendrix on the live stuff and the recorded live stuff where you've seen him play and not on the, not on the studio piece. And, and Jeff was a studio guy. That's interesting. I'll have to look, I, I got the Pink Floyd stuff, but not the feedback stuff in my uh, extensive internet research.
3: Yeah. Where everything's uh, always
0: true all the time.
3: Especially, especially the early stuff in the seventies stuff. Even with the Les Paul and stuff, those live yeah. things, like like Mike says, he it, it like like Hendrix did. It's almost like a um, it becomes a third instrument, you know, yeah. second instrument that he's playing.
0: Does yeah. if you're playing a standard like the single coils, not the noiseless, does that can you get better feedback? That because it's not one of the noiseless pickups. Like I guess, what's the key to getting good feedback?
3: Play loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turn
0: all the volume, all the gain up, and then you get close to the amp.
3: Yeah, it's just different feedback with different guitars. Like Mike was yeah. saying, with a hollow body or a semi-hollow body, it's much easier to get the feedback because you get the guitar shaking. And, right. Uh, but you can get feedback with with any guitar. It's volume and proximity to the amp. Or,
0: yeah. yeah.
4: It's interesting. I mean, I, I want to touch on this just for a second. I think Chris mentioned some of the more melodic things, the melody mm-hmm. stuff, that like uh, stuff that he would do like a day in the life really beautiful orchestration you know out of a guitar like that I, I was at a rehearsal one time and their band Jeff was going through all the stuff with the band and stuff and he was really just he's a he he had a great sense of humor he was really funny all the time and they were doing the rehearsal and somebody said something about Star Trek and Jeff just stopped and he hit he hit a harmonic note on the guitar and with the bar he did that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
4: the intro yeah and he didn't do it perfectly so he stopped and he started working it out and and i mean and then he stopped and he started working it out some more and then he kept he kept on it and he's and i'm looking i'm watching him the band the band is standing around and he's looking at his guitar and he's just He's just trying to figure out how to play that 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 melody on his guitar. And then he kind of looked up and he goes, "Oh, sorry. <laughs> it was a trip, man. It was a trip to watch that." Cuz you could tell that his his ear for the melodies, those melodies, day in the life, yeah. all the things these stuff, you know, somewhere over the rainbow, or whatever. It's that hit, he that's a thing where he that spoke to him, you know.
0: So is it, was he then the type of guy that could just hear something, and pick out the key, kind of the notes, and start playing it right away? Didn't really have to work a lot of time. Yeah. Just a natural musician, a natural artist. Yeah. Yep. I do not have that. Chris, are you like that? Are you? Can you hear stuff and be like, "Oh yeah," like I get two seconds, I figure it out.
3: Um, I can to a certain extent. Yeah, and that I can't take credit for that. That's just. God either gives you that or he doesn't. And and the thing about Jeff is we say that about him, but he seems like the kind of guy, the way that he was meticulous with his cars, the way that he was meticulous with everything else, he probably put in the hours when he was young, young, Mm -hmm. young. You know, we, we look at some guy when they're 15 or 16 and we're like, Oh, you know, they're, they're this or that they're great. But he probably spent, 10 hours a day playing stuff when he was nine or 10 years old who knows how long
4: it was it was funny when i was at i was at his house i got over to his house and and he took me upstairs and showed me his little studio the two pickup telecasters sitting in a rack next to the jackson next to the you know i'm just like what this isn't like in a museum somewhere just sitting there you know but did you uh, touch it i did yeah and 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 sandra's wife was there And I think Jeff left the room at one point because I had always heard that he never practiced, that he never picked up a guitar at home. Yeah. I always heard that. And, and I'm looking around at this stuff and, and Sandra said to me, she goes, she goes, uh, she goes, have you heard that he doesn't practice? And I go, yeah. And she goes, that's bullshit. He plays every day.
0: (laughs) And I thought that was great. Well, (laughs) Playing and practicing are two different things, you know, Practice, you know, is he noodling or is he
3: practicing? Yeah, yeah I think I think Clapton said that he, he never never didn't not have a guitar in his hand. He was a, yeah that Beck always played his hand, had yeah. a guitar in his hand. Another thing to a- talk we talked about how uh the, the you know the melodic solos and how beautiful those things were. I don't know how much of the ranging Jeff did, you know, for like uh, you know, Wired or Blow by Blow, when you listen to those fusion records that he did and the arrangements and, you know, just putting that stuff together and the way the melody uh, of the song follows the arrangement, the chordal, you know, stuff that moves around in those songs. I don't know if he did that or if he worked with the producer on that or whoever else was in the band, but that itself is, is monumental, you know, yeah. the fusion stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. You guys were talking about different different kind of unique sounds that he made with his guitar, and once again, like my knowledge of him is just in his infancy. So to me, it's almost like discovering a new band. But when I'm listening, I was listening to this. I uh, think the second of the Beckology, um, You know the different arrangement on Jailhouse Rock, but uh, like I'd rock my plum soul and water down the drain. You're mm. Just like just I'm hearing some of the most unique things. Like it's incredible.
4: Yeah, Jailhouse Rock, man. Wow. <laughs> That, I mean, that just talk about taking a song and approaching it from left field. Mm-hmm. Very cool.
0: So if you guys, go put this question to both you guys, if you could pick a song and an album for a novice Jeff Beck fan or you know, mm-hmm. somebody who's, who's novice, a Brian. <laughs> Who would you say, and Mike, I'll go to you, like what's a good record and what's a good song that like really introduced somebody to get them started on Jeff Beck?
4: Man, you know, I, I, I know that Chris is having the same struggle that I'm having right now. <laughs> it's all so good. Yeah, but and different. And different, yeah. And like the later records like There and Back, you know, and, um, you know, you had it coming and, and, and you know, uh, who else? those are great records. And from, from a guitar player, from, if you want to get into like tone and just really grit and rock a real rock thing, when you listen to those records, it blows your mind, how good it is. It's so good for, for a real heavy rock stuff. But I think that if I was going to point somebody to one song, it would probably be Scatterbrain.
0: Okay.
4: And just because of how that, how that melody goes and what it is. I used to play it as an exercise to warm up with, you know? And then if you watch live from Ronnie Scott's, he goes into it and it's, it, it's unfathomable how fast he's playing it. It's completely sped up and it, it's just insane how fast it is. And that's and all I, him too. I, it's
0: not like speeding up the tape or anything, right? Huh? And that's all him playing that. It's not like they're speeding up the tape on him, right? Oh no, no, it's live. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's okay.
4: And he's doing it with his fingers. And and I just I just can't because I, I would play it. I would try to play it um, at the regular speed, which is little 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 little. And Jeff's on Randy Scott. He's going. But I mean, it's insane. And the whole band's playing like that. Howl's playing bass,
0: so she's going at it too. Yeah. And he's using his fingers and not a pick. Yeah. Well, Chris, what do you think? If you had a record or a song that you would tell people to, to get them, you know, dip their toe in the waters of Jeff Beck's career, what do you say?
3: I just looked up, the, I just typed in best Jeff Beck just to see what, popped up what most people would say i think because we've been as as lovers Mm. is always up there at the top um but not necessarily for me i I think that's maybe that's i guess that's maybe one of his most familiar things if i was going to introduce somebody to to, i would that ronnie scott dvd the live thing i mean I, i remember i bought that when it came out, and I I was into Jeff back then, but I wasn't into into Jeff back. And I man, I bet I've watched that a hundred times. I, I just it's so great. Every he, he's got Clapton. Uh, I think they do Little Brown Bird. They do. Uh, he's got a, a few different guys he brings up there with him, but you you can just tell the level. I think it's um, who is on drums? Sting's old drummer and that uh, Vinny. Benny Kaleuda. The yeah. the 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 whole band is just towels on bass. It's the whole band is just top notch. And you can just see kind of where Jeff sits in that. Um, so I would recommend for somebody that hasn't heard Jeff Becker that's not into him to watch the video so you could really get an understanding of who he is. And then, you know, for me, I don't know, I'm all over the place. If I the, probably the stuff that I listen to most lately is like uh I love to hear him do like sleepwalk and apache and do some of those old uh yeah. songs that he grew up on that he loved um and then you know just I would say if you're into the the stoner stuff and the 70s stuff man you will love the the Beck Bogart Apache stuff you know you can't, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's hard to beat uh, Freddie King going down, but man, the mm-hmm. Jeff Beck version of that is just a motherfucker.
0: That you is, <laughs> that's probably one of my favorite of his, of some, you know, again, I have a very moderate, you know, but I, that is, that is a great version of that song by yeah. far. And I'm it's sure true. YouTube has that whole concert, if not clips, at least by this day, somebody's uploaded that whole show. So everybody's listening just go out to YouTube, find the whole show, watch it. Yeah,
4: it's funny yeah. To, to, watch, to watch Ronnie Scott's. It's interesting because they, they pan around the audience and like Robert Plants in the audience. It's yeah, like it's a who's who of, of, you know, rock and roll in the audience watching that. I think that that really that really was um, well done. And it really kind of set him on the throne of um, g- rock guitar players or guitar players in general. You know,
0: he would he be on the Mount Rushmore of guitar players?
3: Of course, yeah. I would.
4: I
0: would, I would say think that. so too. Yeah.
4: For me, it it's it's Hendrix, Jeff Beck, and then Paige and everybody else. You know, and all that other stuff. Yeah. But Jeff Beck to me was he's very similar to Hendrix. Where Hendrix, you know, I'm a huge Hendrix fan, and and um. You just, you could see people play it, you know, you can turn on YouTube or Instagram and watch everybody, everybody and their brother play Little Wing, but yeah, it, there's, I don't, I don't see anybody out there that's even close to what Jimmy did.
0: That's probably my favorite version as well, I, though I do like the Derek and the Domino's version, I think that the Jimmy one is still my number one.
3: You know, another thing to think about, too, is uh, to what Mike said about those guys being in the audience at Ronnie's, at Ronnie Scott, at the Ronnie Scott DVD or concert or whatever else. Um, I'm not for sure that there's another cat uh, from his generation or forward that's more respected by musicians. You know, everybody respected Jeff. And then the other thing to think about is in this day of social media and, and where people can put their foot in their mouth and whatever else. Like Jeff Beck never did anything stupid. It's like you have the stories with Jimmy Page. Eric Clapton's done stupid shit. Everybody's done dumb things. Jeff Beck never made it about, you know, being drugged out or Mm -hmm. politics or there was never issues with his wife. There's never scandals. It was like he just was, I can't think of somebody else that was more just about the music, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, man, that's a hell of a that's it's hard not to put your foot in your mouth sometimes
0: especially for that long of a career yeah
3: yeah yeah. and to be respected that for that long um and 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 for having decades of I mean Eddie Van Halen to you know all the other guys that we idolize they all would reference Beck as being one of their favorites so yeah he's like a saint as far as that goes
0: Seriously, like once you said that, Chris, I'm like, yeah, I don't ever recall reading about drug or alcohol or other issues that he had or rests and and stuff like that. Some of his peers went through.
3: Speeding tickets, probably. He was a hot rod <laughs> hot rod junkie. And uh, everybody that I've known that's ever said that they had a personal relationship with him said that he was either playing guitar or working on his on his cars, you know, which I yeah. can empathize with and love too and appreciate. <laughs>
0: Mike, did did Plant and Beck ever do anything together? I don't know. Because, I mean, Beck's career is huge. You know, you go through all this stuff and see all the people he's played with over the decades. I didn't seem to see Plant's name pop up when you were talking about the Ronnie Scott thing and Plant being the audience. I'm like, that would just, you would think at some point with Robert Plant's long solo career, he and Beck would have done something.
4: Chris, who played guitar in the Honey
3: Drippers?
0: That was Paige, wasn't it? Wasn't that just like Led Zeppelin?
3: No, 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 no. no. Uh, pa- Page may have guessed it on that record. I think he actually okay. played a few songs on that record, but I, he wasn't in uh, Robert's touring band on that. Okay. I mean, that definitely would have suited Jeff great. You know, Jeff would yeah. have fit right in there. I'm sure, man, over time, there was probably somewhere at some time at a festival or something that that he probably set in with them. Spe- I know he played quite quite often with Jimmy Page, right. but that yes. may have been, after Jimmy and Robert you know at parted ways or whatever um but i mean shit dude, jeff beck played with so many different people I, I would think that that happened but i don't know i'm not knowledgeable enough to know all the different studio stuff he did with if he was in on something like that but
0: i mean he, he did it with J, J, you know bon, john bon jovi should have at least done something with, with the plant come on man <laughs> right <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah <laughs> Uh, Beck was also in, had a cameo in the movie Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. He was playing guitar in the band when they sort of have a, a little bit of a, a bar brawl with the guys who are going to collect money from Danny DeVito. Oh,
3: shit. Sure. I didn't yeah. I didn't know that. I got to watch And The, the only movie. reason
0: I know that, I watched that last week, honestly. I was home and I was doing some, you know, you know how sometimes it's good to have music or the TV on, not that you're focused on it, but it's just on totally had that on and they got to that scene and I was listening to the band. Like there's freaking Jeff Beck on the stage right there. Wow.
3: It was, was the, the guitarist in spinal tap. I've heard that, that he was modeled on Jeff Beck. Is that true?
4: I I don't know, but that sure makes sense. I mean, to, to me, yeah. I look at it and go, that's Jeff.
3: Yeah. Yeah. He definitely, like he definitely style. had that look. Yeah. He had, definitely yeah. had that look. And who else had, had as cool a hair as Jeff, at, you know, 78. It's like, I, I yep. just—he's one of those guys, and I think, you know, I was obviously—I was super sad uh, when I heard the news that Jeff died. Not just because, uh, you know, because I was such a fan of Jeff Beck. Because I'm a—I'm a big fan of a lot of a lot of people. A lot of people would die that I'm a big fan of, it, and nobody else yeah. would even know. But when you think about it, he's one of the last few. There's only a few left of those guitar gods you know and when these guys go it just makes you realize that you're at some point in my life in our life all of our lives that we're going to live in a world where none of those people existed And it it, it's it's the world's changing so much man i I don't dig it you know i don't he he's it's like he jeff beck to me became 40 and never grew older than 40 he always does look like he was 40 for the rest of his career and so yeah, I was shocked to hear he was seventy-eight. Yeah, no shit,
4: that blew my mind. I was like, "What?"
0: Living that's... right again. He didn't have all those those issues that we talked about earlier, right? <laughs> Kept himself in pretty good shape and stayed out of trouble, man. Yeah, and he he died of what bacterial meningitis, correct?
4: That's what so I what, heard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, and that's that's the one where they teach you know tell college ki- kids and everybody else to go to live in these things like. Got to watch out for it because that's the bad one. There's a viral version of it which I've had, but the bacterial version is the one that's really bad and was just was shocking, right? Because he wasn't sick or anything. It just all of a sudden, like, yeah, he was dead.
4: From what I heard, it was it it was like it took about three days, and that was it. But it's funny because I think it was last it was last week or uh, I forget when it was. I had. I had text. I had texted Billy Gibbons something about um, a blues guitar player and, and an amp. Like, what amp is this guy using on this song? You know, and Billy and I talk about stuff like that every once in a while. And Billy, you know, he hit me back because I don't know. Blah 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 blah. You know, whatever it is, it's cool. And then he texted me a picture of Jeff with nothing. And then I, I texted him back a picture of of Jeff. Um, at his house when i was there and and then that's all i heard and then like probably four or five days later you know jeff died so i think gibbons knew what was going on
0: oh and he was just sort of sending you a message yeah
3: yeah Yeah, that's that's weird i mean i had people talking about seeing him just in the last couple of months, saying how great it was. They were pissed off that Johnny Depp was on the thing. They just wanted to hear Jeff play the whole time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I did see he was performing with Johnny Depp or Johnny Depp was performing with him or something recently.
3: Yeah. Yeah, he did a I tour think. with him. Yeah, I think, I think they became pretty close there towards the end. It was weird. We had uh, we did Christmas gifts between the band, which is, you know, whatever, around Christmas time, I got Brian and Bryce something, and uh, Bryce showed up. Uh, with the late gift and and had wired on uh, LP and gave it to me and then like three days later wow. the Jeff died so that was kind of I told my wife I was like she has got this yeah. record from Bryce the other day you know it's like but yeah it didn't I mean I guess we should expect it I guess I, you know I, once ever once every in a while once every few weeks or a month I. I, I contemplate that Jimmy Page is not gonna be here at some yeah. point. It's like if you ask me what my goals were, like some some musicians' goals are like to be rich or to make enough money to buy a Porsche or whatever. And my 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 one of my top ten was just to stand in a room with Jimmy Page, just to be somewhere, you know, get to that point. But have you done by. it
0: yet? Have you done it, Chris? Have you met that goal of being in a room with Jimmy Page?
3: I tell you what we did do, no. But what we did do was our producer, Mark Needham, we were in Los Angeles making a record and, um, he got us tickets and this is, this is pretty cool. He got us tickets at the ACE theater for Chris Cornell to interview Jimmy Page. It was when Jimmy's book came out with his uh, all, all the cool pictures and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Brian and I had seats for that and we're really close. And so I got to be, I got to be within about 20 yards of him and, uh, it was really cool, man you when you went to the thing you got the book as part of the ticket, you know oh, nice and, uh, so Brian was cool enough to give me his too, so I had two of the Jimmy page books and it's got his lithograph and signature and stuff inside so nice. um, yeah, another one of my top top three guys that I always have out of last, but
0: yeah, I hear you yeah Mike. Sooner
3: are
4: later, you... Sooner Go ahead. Later. Sooner or later, all those guys are gonna be gone, and then Keith Richards is gonna
0: be all alone. <laughs> Keith, Keith Richards is immortal, right? He's forever. And that's yeah, a guy we were who talking, his talking, body
3: talking about that clean lifestyle or, or that safe lifestyle that Beck led. And there's about 50 stoners <laughs> on here watching this going, well, What about Keith Richards? You know, he's been stoned or drunk since 1954. I don't, and,
0: <laughs> I don't going think strong. a disease would would survive his body. I think pro there's too many other things that's going to yeah. kill any you know any invader that gets in there. <laughs>
3: yeah, probably so.
0: Mike, are you out in California?
4: I'm in uh, Arizona now. I've been in Arizona for about the last 17 years. Okay, but I was for born some
0: reason, in California. Okay, well, I, I know in all those guitar shops were all California yeah. shops, too, that you yeah. worked at. For some reason, Chris, I was figuring he was in Nashville for Central time with you when you were arranging it. So, um, no, Mike, appreciate you, like, not yelling at, at us about the time because I, I thought you were on Central. No, no, Mountain Time. Mike, when was the, what is the last time that you saw Beck play live? Um,
4: it was... um. I think the Crossroads festival and um, the last one in Chicago okay. and um, he had gone out and he, he did, you know, the day, a day in the life. And it was, it was just so good. And everybody, and everybody knew it was good. Every, every guitar. I mean, it's a Crossroads festival, so it's all guitar players backstage. It's all guitar players. And everybody was just, everybody was waiting to see Jeff play and it, it was a trip. And when he played, it was so good. I mean, so good. And I think that Jeff, when he knows, I think that Jeff really, he knew that that's the, um, the influence he had and with people. And I think that he really re- kind of respected that. And so I think that whenever he had opportunities to do kind of those type of things, And God bless Eric Clapton for getting him on those crossroads, you know, because that put him in a whole bigger audience Mm -hmm. and really let him shine, you know, but it was great because he, he, he went up and played and then he got done. And, um, and I was, um, I was backstage and I went walking across the loading dock and chef was there. And I looked at him, he looked at me and he smiled And I said, you fucking killed it. And he just walked up to me and he just gave me a huge, a huge hug. And um, yeah, it was, it was heavy. It still is.
0: Yeah. That's well, a great memory for you to keep. Yeah. You know, all these memories and things that you've done with him shared over the years. That's a, that's a really good one to have there.
4: Yeah. There was, there's, there was quite a few, but, I mean, that, you know. Because he just killed it. He just killed it, you know. And it's like I was like,
2: yeah,
0: man, you know. That's another one to go dig out, too, on, on the old YouTubes to, to watch. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. Chris, yeah. did you ever see Beck play live?
3: I didn't. I didn't. Not, not in the room. Brian, mm-hmm. our drummer, saw him uh, in Nashville I think six or seven years ago. And, uh, it was just when they built that new outdoor, um, Oh venue. yeah,
0: by the river, whatever, right yeah. outside. Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: And, uh, that's when Jeff died, that's Brian texted me and said, man, I'm, I'm sure glad I got to go to that. And I felt horrible because I really wanted to go. I had stuff going on at the time and, and wasn't able to, but yeah, like I said, I've, I've probably out of all the, you know, I watched the the Zeppelin reunion on uh, yep. on DVD a million times. Okay. I've watched yep. that Jeff Beck live at Ronnie Scott's a million times. I remember it's one of the things when we were in in England was somebody mentioned that I'm like, oh yeah. So it's like just want to see where that club. is a tiny venue, you know. But Jeff made that you know made that forever famous just with that that DVD.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right going to wrap this up here. Let's get some parting thoughts on just Jeff Beck as a whole and Chris we will start with you and one we'll with Mike.
3: Oh, you know, it's just a legend. a loss a uh, like like you guys were talking about about being the Mount Rushmore. Um you know, there's just there's just a couple of guys left. It's just Clapton and Page for me. It's Clapton Page, Beck and Hendrix on that on that mountain yeah. for me and um you know, my, my kid's 15, and I had that conversation with him about Jeff Dyne and how just important of a person he was. You know, I, I always say when we're talking about a lot of the old blues guys, I call them American icons. Um, I think that those Delta players, uh, you know, a lot of those guys were un, underappreciated. Um, Jeff, Jeff is – one of those guys, you know, he is, he is the English version of, I don't know. I, you know, I don't Paul uh, McCartney was crowned, sir or whatever else. If Jeff wasn't, he should have been because, you know, I think for people, um, between the ages of 30 and 70, you know, a lot of people, when you think of England or you think of guitar you think of those, those guys and, um, just, a, just an all-around example of fool and professional and uh, just an artist, you know, a real artist.
0: Yeah, very well said, for sure. And, and Mike, for you, again, because you, you've had this personal relationship with, with Jeff. What are kind of your final thoughts?
4: Yeah, it's just sad, you know. I mean... Um it's it's I don't know it's um I I wish more people I mean he's Jeff's going to have this impact is going to be very much like a Hendrix type of thing especially for guitar players and people who guys who aren't who aren't even guitar players yet but are going to be guitar players you know Mm -hmm. and they're going to look back and go oh my god Jeff Beck everybody's Jeff Beck's going to leave the mark for a long time forever you know and um I think people are going to look back at that and just go, it's so different than everything, you know? Um, Richie Blackmore had told me one time, I was, I was with Richie, Richie Blackmore we were talking about guitar players and stuff, and he, when we started talking about Jeff Beck, he said that he was the only guy, he's really the, one, the only guy that has taken it to the next level, you know, where it's, it's not just a guitar, you know, it's like Chris said, it's a really great analogy. It's an, he's using it as an orchestra, and it's really beautiful what he did with it. And and uh, so yeah, just it's I don't know. It's shot. It's still shocking to me. It's still it's still hard to believe that he's gone. And and I want to say at the rest of that sentence should be it's so sad to see him gone at such a young age. It's like the <laughs> seventy eight, <laughs> you know. But he ago. didn't. But he didn't seem like that, you know. Right. So, yeah. But yeah, just um, what a what a beautiful legacy, you know, what a beautiful historical legacy that he's leaving behind—a
0: never-ending impact on those that play rock or guitar ever, yeah. right? That anybody that ever gets into it, whether it's a kid starting out or people our age, are always going to have reverence and influence from him. Yeah. And nobody's ever going to be able to play like him, just like Eddie Van Halen. Those are two, those are styles that nobody is ever going to be able to nail. Well, Mike and Chris, thank you guys so much for being on here. It means a lot for us, uh, particularly, you know, just all all the influence, all the knowledge, all the the stories that you guys have. We really appreciate it. Mike, uh, where do we send our listeners to go find out more about you, your band, everything that's going on with you?
4: Um, the website is, we don't, I don't have the website up right now, but Mike dot is where the, the website will be up. We had, we had it up and we took it down because I'm working on a new record and we're going to, we'll pop it open once we get the new record done. And, and, uh, but you can, you can find me on Instagram, Mike Elder Trio on Instagram. There's a YouTube channel that has a bunch of different videos on it. Michael okay. and then, um, uh, fate we're on Facebook too, you know, and all that but yeah
0: for anybody that's into hollow body feedback guitar music mike eldridge trio that's your band <laughs> well hit us up when you got that record out and ready you want to come back on and talk about it we, we'd, yeah, we'd like
1: that absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah.
0: chris you have anything going on anything big going on with the cold stairs at all coming up? no but
3: but mike is underplaying himself i'll say he's also a great singer and songwriter and just a freaking legend so thanks for Thanks for jumping in with this, Mike. Appreciate well, I appreciate
4: it. you, Chris, for including me and stuff like that. And you know, I call Chris periodically. I call I call Chris in in a panic. What do I do? What, what what should I do right now? And you know, it's it's always great. I mean, Chris and I have never met in person, but via the international interweb, we have stayed in touch and become good friends. So. But well, I'm very he, grateful for that.
0: He immediately threw your name out as soon as I contacted him about getting on to do a Jeff Beck thing. He's like, "Do you know Mike Eldred? Like this guy like worked on guitars and stuff with them." I was like, "All sold. Say no more. He's in." All right, Chris. Cold Stairs. What's going on with the Cold Stairs? And we gotta uh, go to find out.
3: Yeah. By the time this comes out, we got a new single that's dropping uh, January right. 19th. Yeah. 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 Mid- midnight tonight. So uh throw that stone and. Uh, the new record drops uh, March 10th, uh, Voices. We're on the tour in the States off and on between now and the end of May. And then uh, May 25th through uh, late June, we're overseas in Europe, Scandinavia, and uh, the European countries. And then we're back for a week. And then we're back over in um, July for a tour in the U.K., and a, a festival over there called uh, Maidenstone, I think, announces the 26th of this month. And we're going to be a part of that. So we're all over the place, just trying to hustle and and uh, keep playing blues rock.
0: Well, the the singles you guys have released so far are killer. I've had the pleasure yeah. of, of hearing the stuff on the album, Chris, and like there's a lot of people waiting on this record and they're going to be amazed The people that hear it. Like it is a, a nice evolution for you guys and your sound and style, but it's still the cold stairs when you hear it. And like, I am super pumped for it to come out.
3: Thanks, man. appreciate you guys very much. Appreciate you guys mm. hustling for all the, uh, all the bands that you guys do, you know,
0: if you guys sucked, we wouldn't do it. <laughs> Being nice it only gets you so far, man. You got to have some talent. Well, I, I feel like
3: I feel like blues rock has uh, made the evolution and uh, into jazz. You know, it's a smaller it's a smaller group of people that are following and listening to, to the music that that our generation loves and and plays. But I feel like it's a much Tighter knit group of of people, and uh, you know, podcasts like you guys that that promoting it are always bringing it to new years So appreciate you guys.
0: Yeah, man. And again, we'll we'll, we'll get you guys back on when it's time for that album to kick off. Um, we're recording this on the 18th. This album is actually come out on the tw- or the album, the podcast will be out this Friday on the 20th because we're going to start a, a series of Jeff Beck, a kind of retrospective or um, you know tribute series. So thank you guys for being on, Chris. See you in a couple weeks in Ohio. Mike, come back when you're ready to talk about the album. Really appreciated sharing some of those memories and some of those thoughts of Jeff Beck with us. Over to you, Brian.
1: Well, thank you so much Chris Tapp from the Cold Stairs, Mike Eldred from the Mike Eldred Trio. Thank you for being on this part one of our uh, two part Jeff Beck tribute. Um, next week we're going to have some friends from Kentucky. We're not all sure who's going to be there, but uh, as always, a pleasure uh with those guys as well so thank you chris thank you mike for being on this part one
4: thank you we appreciate you guys
1: thanks again to chris tap from the cold stairs mike eldred from the mike eldred trio uh some really great beautiful things that they said about jeff Beck. you know i mean uh i'm a bass player you're a guitar player you can maybe relate a little bit more um we got to hear all of these great things about mike eldred that you know we'd just been introduced to him and, and uh, hearing about everything that he's done. I was all ears. I didn't have much to add. I just enjoyed listening and learning.
0: That's And that was what the good thing that, you know, for us to sit back and take all the stuff in and the stories that these guys have. And it's nice that Chris and Mike know each other too, because it makes the conversation easier, but uh, man, like Jeff Beck, just the thing that resonated with me was two things. One about his guitar being set up where, the tension springs were loose so it kicks up the, the back end basically where the bridge is of the string. so the whammy bar floats a lot so he could get those weird sounds with mm-hmm. the tremolo bar plus a slide. what like you know you heard him it says he can hit it and pull it down and make it go one one note up or two notes up depending on which e string you're on which is crazy and that explains a whole lot of like that sound he was able to do and then two is, like, when Chris was talking, is like, this guy never never had a scandal in, like, a 50, 60-decade mm-hmm. career. Like, you never heard anything bad about him come out.
1: Well, the things that I like the best that Mike pointed out was talking about Jeff Beck standing on his guitar, like, standing on the horns of his <laughs> Well, it wasn't even his guitar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, that somebody else's guitar. And I was – Good. I was really surprised to find out that the that Beck wasn't a big like I got to have these pickups. I got to have Not particular, right? It's just like just whatever and I'll play you it. You think
0: he would be anal retentive about yeah. that? He wasn't. He just yeah. like I think Mike said it he thought it was a tool like a, a hammer and hit a nail and like yeah. that's all it was for him and I am super amazed by that.
1: Yeah, yeah, so so surprised. Yeah, just give me whatever and I'll play it and I'll get my tone out of it.
0: I'm gonna go after leaving this interview. I'm gonna track down that Ronnie Scott concert um, yeah. on YouTube and watch that ASAP because both of those guys talked it up, and that 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 says a lot, you know. With the with Chris and Mike, you know, bring that thing up. I got to see it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely be checking into that. Um, yeah. So yeah. Anyway, thanks again to to Chris and Mike for being on this part one. Uh, next week we have got some Kentucky people. I think we got and boone who are pretty much the new co-co co-hosts <laughs> <laughs> yeah. might have someone from blackstone cherry uh i'm not sure hopefully chris robertson makes it so and i don't know who else so anyway uh until this part two always remember southern rock is reverent blues is blood we'll see you next time <laughs>